self-development with tactics. So today we're going to talk about an article by Jordan B. Peterson, the author of 12 Rules, I think for life or of life, I don't remember now, but I think that he is an incredibly interesting person because, um, I mean, if you think about his political um, kind of you know, perspectives and opinions and on the other hand also his intellectual work and, and all of these things, I guess and think and believe that it might be, it might just be worth it going through some things that, that he's talking about and or saying and or articulating. And he's a great believer as I've been, you know, going through certain uh, um, videos featuring him and so on that he is really into communication and um, communication being kind of a, well, hmm, how should I say, um, a factor for intelligence to some degree. And on, on the complete other hand, um, communication being something that's worthwhile learning and worthwhile uh, being able to do in a really good manner. But yeah, which I, by the way, think is incredible as well. I mean, if you, th <laughs> not everyone, but if you think about those people that, that are relatively successful, a big portion of them are able to communicate on a really, on a, on a, or in a really good level or on a really good level or whatnot. But I do also want to point out that it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. I do like to talk about Gary Vee. He's an incredible communicator. Um, I mean, it's just insane how clearly and... Well, basically how clearly and clean he's able to communicate. I think that's just astonishing and amazing. On the other hand, there's people I think like, well, I would say Mark Zuckerberg and, for example, also, um, what's going on there? Elon Musk, who are not particularly good communicators, which I think is also not that of a bad thing, at least if you think about, quote-unquote, public speeches, you know. But yeah, let's see. Tough Economics, a conversation with Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Interview by Vikas S. Shah, MBE on Thought Economics. But let's see. The world writes Dr. Jordan B. Peterson can be validly construed as a forum for action or as a place of things. It is this distinction between the physical, a place of things, and metaphysical, a forum for action, that typifies the difference as far as we are aware. Between us and other species, we are hardwired through our biology, as Dr. Peterson notes, to understand one, what there is, two, what to do about what there is, and three, that there is a difference between knowing that there is and knowing what to do about what there is, and the fourth is what the difference is. Perhaps another way to understand this would be to argue that we are meaning-driven. It's not enough for us to do what there is. We need to know why we're doing certain things. And I, I totally have to agree with that. I mean, you can do a lot of things every day. I can do a lot of things every day. But if I don't find any meaning in what I'm doing every fucking day, then I'm not going to be particularly happy. 
I'm actually gonna be quite fucked up. As society has moved through the Renaissance into modernity, the questions of why, typically the domain of theology, moved from the art to science. The preciseness of the letter, arguably unsuited to such philosophical questions, the primacy of overtly scientific approaches to understanding life has come at a tremendous cost. In some ways, we see the world in shades of grey rather than in full colour. For many thinkers, therefore, the pull of the questions of meaning are too strong to ignore. Dr. John B. Peterson is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, a clinical psychologist and the author of the multi-million copy bestseller 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. He's one of the world's foremost public intellectuals and I caught up with him to learn about more about how we can find meaning in a complex world, which I think is an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important topic to talk about and also think through on your, you know, just uh, kind of see and, and validate and um, make sure that you, that and if you understand that and know that and know your why. But yeah, so what does it mean to have a life well lived? Which is the first question. So it's actually a Q&A, a transcript of, of an interview. And we're going to go through questions and answers and questions and answers. So the answer is by Jordan B. Peterson. A life well lived means that you spend a substantial amount of time addressing the troubles of the world. Trouble with yourself, your family, your community. Everyone has a sense that things are less than they could be and everyone is affected by the suffering they see around them. And it seems to me that lays, that lays a moral burden on us that can't be avoided. And that's the only way to rectify this burden is to confront it and try to do something about it. People inevitably find that the worthwhile things they have done in their life, the things that give them strength and for I think forbearance and a certain amount of self-respect are acts of responsibility that they have been undertaking in the face of serious problems. What are your views on society putting happiness as its only goal? Making happiness the key pursuit in life is just hopeless. <laughs> it's just not a pursuit that's going to fulfill itself. Life is already complex enough to make to make us anxious, painful, disappointed and hurt. That's not a pessimistic viewpoint it's the truth. And yeah, I mean, there is a lot of religious religions that talk about that. There's also a lot of people that talk about that. But um, yeah, a lot of people say that life is suffering. And I don't know, I think I gotta have to make a video on that and, and really go through some, some sources on that. By the way, have I, have I finished the one article, the meaning about life? Have I done that? I think I haven't. Um, anyway, um, I'd have to make a separate video on that because I think it's just an incredibly massive topic and incredibly, um, yeah, big topic to to talk about. Um, my experience has been that it takes very little time to talk to someone so that if you really listen to them and get below the surface, you'll find out how many truly difficult things they are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. You do see people in rare periods of life where they, where they are comparatively careful, but that's not common as far as I'm concerned. The idea that impulsive gratification and quote-unquote happiness are going to recify or rectify Life's problems just strikes me as a naive beyond 
uh, tenability, and so it's no surprise that life is just a constant disappointment for people. There are studies about the use of Facebook that shows that uh, the more people use Facebook, the more depressed they seem to get. And at least one of the hypotheses behind this is that everyone curates the best of their lives on Facebook, and you can and you can understand why. It looks like one big happy ad- advertisement for an I indefinite number of perfect lives but that is an illusion a polite illusion you don't want to see a picture of on facebook of one of your friends and their partner having a violent or even verbally violent argument it's just not what uh, we share on there we choose to keep that stuff private but it doesn't have the negative consequences of making facebook reality seem much more positive than it reality is yeah i gotta have to say so even though I do want to point out, and I do want to say, and I do have to say, um, that I'm really against the the criticism social media in general receives because, well, you know, there's not only the negative to see. You know, if you're just using it in a correct way, you can also make something really great out of it. You know, you can use it as practice. You can use it as something that's, that's leading to a job. You can just use it in a different way. You know, you don't have to use it to kind of picture a perfect life of your own and um, do something like that. Because why? You know, why should you be doing this? And why should you be using it in a way that is destructive and hurting you and is painful and whatnot? You know, you don't have to. Nobody's saying that we have to, that you have to, that I have to. You could also just delete it if you want to. And if you can. Of course, I mean, there's addiction and whatnot, but then... Yeah, it is what it is. But but yeah, I think really blaming social media for everything there is, for depression, for suicide and whatnot is... I mean, it is probably scratching the surface of the whole problem. I mean, social media, and this is something that I think I have to admit, is a problem for some people. But I don't necessarily think that it is the main source for the problem. You know, for suicides, of course, it's going to play a role and it is playing a role in the whole thing there, but there's more to it. This is what I think and believe. But yeah. So what is the consequence of making money and celebrity our idols? Can you use the word in that way? I didn't know. I'm not going to lie. If you don't place any emphasis on the development of character or any belief that character is a reality, if you don't believe in the utility of courage and truth as the means of making your way through life, then you're left with, well, celebrity. (laughs) People are status conscious and believe that wealth can provide not just security, but the sorts of experiences, I suppose, that would be commensurate with happiness. Quote-unquote, happiness. Economic Privatization is one of no pleasure to anyone, but the evidence suggests, unfortunately, that once you roughly earn a lower lower middle class standard of living, additional money you earn beyond that has almost no effect on your quality of life. And I do think, and there's something that Dan Belsarian said, um, I think it was, it was him, I actually don't remember that well, but if if you're having a lot of money and you're having a certain standard of living, then, um, you know, you can get below this standard of living relatively quickly. I mean, if you have a lot of money, and therefore maybe 
somebody that cooks for you, somebody that is just doing your laundry, somebody that is, um, you know, doing those chores for you that quote-unquote normal people have to do. And once you are not able to afford that anymore, you are going to feel pretty bad, you know. But going up is is not that easy. Like, the more you have, I think, the um, the faster you can also... So, lose it to some degree if you think about it i mean it also depends on how you're using your money i mean you can have a really high wage and earn a lot of money and have a lot of money but that doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of employees in your house or something like that that potentially can make your life worse you know things people and whatnot if you don't have that money anymore you know because of whatever reason but also kind of sustaining that money and that income and whatnot is just another part of the whole story but yeah just some things um money always or allows you to do things to embark on projects but there isn't any evidence that excess money past a certain level has any positive effects on quote-unquote happiness or general well-being once you have a middle-class existence you have almost all the primary luxuries money can solve many of the problems that truly plague people it can't solve the problems in the relationship between a husband and a wife beyond the narrow economic front. It can't straighten out the relationships you have with your children. In fact, it can make them worse. How can we feel that we matter as individuals, that I matter? The first thing we can notice is how much trouble we could cause if we act like we don't matter and cease to take care of ourselves and the people around us. That causes the irresponsible lifestyle that is predicated on the delusion that nothing matters. That leads to a tremendous amount of misery. You need to attend to the sound of your own conscious and you'll discover quite rapidly that there are problems in the world that are personally relevant to you and which bother you. You can find your destiny in some sense in those problems. They bother you for a reason. You can't develop a vision that will enable you to confront their dragons of life to find the gold that's there but you have to notice where the problems are what's bothering you and then take responsibility knowing that if you have a problem and if a problem bothers you that's actually destiny calling you sometimes that can come not only in the f in form of a problem but an ambition but generally ambitions are associated with the desire to solve a given problem when they are not shallow and linked to status climbing Everyone can look around in the world and see there is something that needs to be done, either on a minor scale in their own life or on a larger scale, if they're sophisticated enough to manage that. Look, if I treat myself like I don't matter, then I have a terrible relationship with myself. If I have friends and treat them like they don't matter, those friendships won't work. If I have a loved one and treat her like she doesn't matter, the relationship degenerates. If I treat my community like it doesn't matter, then it falls apart. From a particular perspective, we can look at some isolated facts. Life is short and we are each on one speck of dust among 7 billion individuals on some isolated little rock on the edge of the galaxy. How could anything possibly matter? It might be, therefore, that you're feeling justifiably nihilistic and hopeless from one rather limited perspective. But it might also mean that it is quite comforting for you to believe nothing you do matters, because it means you can get away with anything and there is no price for it. Yeah, of course, um, believing that nothing matters is a very easy way to just give a shit about everything. You know, 
you know, whether you're drunk all day long, whether you're actually doing something that's worthwhile, whether you're putting out something that's worthwhile. But I mean, there's always a good and a bad side of things, you know, of the coin, the uh, hypothetical. Is it hypothetical? No, it's another word, I guess. Um, Yeah, the coin. (laughs) Just, yeah. How can we find the strength to have difficult conversations? We need to have a more rarefied and realistic view of life. Who the hell wants to have difficult conversations unless you're narcissistically motivated to win the argument, which is a dominant problem? (laughs) So many issues in life are unbelievably complicated and it's very difficult cognitively and emotionally to think these things through. The only thing worse than thinking things through is not thinking them through. When we don't confront situations, we muddle through, fight and make a poor short-term impulsive decision. I learned years ago, partly as a clinical psychologist and partly through life itself, that there is no escaping difficult conversations. All that happens is that the unspoken situations get worse the longer you leave it. Which is, by the way, also one of the reasons why by going through books about relationships and talking about relationships, I still believe that addressing problems in a relationship as soon as possible is one of the best things one can do as a couple and as a person per se. Because... As he says, the longer that you're just leaving it as it is and kind of maybe you're still neglecting those problems that you're seeing and, and that you're having, the uh, um, the more explosive this whole thing is going to get, you know? And once there's going to be a moment where everything explodes and every single minor fucking thing that happened up to this point is going to be a, a big part of this conversation, you know, okay... When you did this and that, I felt really terrible, you know, just because this person wasn't talking about it, you know, and just this person didn't have any way to kind of get rid of this, um, of this thought, you know, maybe it's even been a false thought, like, okay, this person did that and this and that because this person doesn't like me, but this is what you think or this person thinks, but in the end, in, in reality, it is not the case. Because there's a completely different dynamic. Sometimes we don't see that because we're so into into our perspective and we so just we buy so much into our perspective that we don't see anything else, which is a fucked up thing. But yeah, sometimes conversations are unbelievably stressful. People get upset and sometimes they won't talk to each another for weeks. Plus, it's hard to come up with a real solution for many things in life. But the alternative to peaceful negotiation, no matter how stressful, no matter how stressful, is tyranny or slavery. <laughs> yeah, that's not amazing. I would say, is there actually quite something left? There's only a bit left, but I'm already quite twenty minutes in. I think I'm gonna. Yeah, the next thing I'm also gonna go through that. So. How can we confront those we don't agree with? If you violently disagree with a person, what you think, what you think they're saying or standing for, you have an opportunity. The more different the other person is from you, and the more you listen to them, the more likely you are a- you are able to learn something shocking and necessary. These conversations provide an unparalleled opportunity for growth. First of all, you find that generally the other person is a lot more like you than you would 
like to think. And you'll also find that they have thought through their arguments, even though you might regard them as prejudicial or unfair. They have the reasons for thinking the way they do, and that makes the world more complex because it doesn't fit your simple ideology. I'd have to be a fool not to think that people have valid complaints about the way nature and society treat them or the way they are treating themselves. It's not unreasonable to figure out that people have genuine burdens, but that's not the issue. The issue is what you do about it and becoming bitter, resentful, cruel, resentment and prejudiced is not helpful. Not helpful. It makes the situation often already intolerable worse. Intolerable. Personal responsibility matters. The radical left will tell you all of life is arbitrary and it's true in a sense. People have all sorts of unique privileges, obstacles and disabilities. The world's resources are so unequally distributed that it is a constant existential nightmare and it is easy to turn that into a criticism of existence itself. But an attitude and action grounded on that observation will just accelerate the original inequality into something that looks like hell. You need to act courageously, confront your obstacles and speak truthfully. There is no guarantee that it will work, but it is the best bet. And with that high note, I want to end the episode. So I wish you the best. Please stay safe and healthy and take care of yourself and the people around you. I'm going to see you the next time. So bye bye. Peace fucking out.